Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Prayer that avails much. Prayer that avails much. Let's look to the word of the Lord beginning in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 11. And begin reading at verse number 13. Amen. If you're looking for a good church New Year's resolution, how about you start taking notes in church? You know, you really can learn a lot when you take notes. You know, there's a, a reason they emphasized it in school, emphasized it in college, because you forget a lot of what you hear, but if you put it on paper, it's permanent. And I uh, went back and looked through all of the things that were preached across this pulpit. And can I tell you, this morning, I was just having church reading things that had already been preached. It was like I was getting to enjoy those sermons for a second time. Amen. Just in that little notebook on my phone. So prayer that avails much. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. Bible says, And it shall be that you, that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, and I will send grass in your fields and in your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them, lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving to you. On over into the New Testament, book of James, chapter number 5. Book of James, chapter number 5. Verse number 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, let me hear you say effective, the effective fervent, let me hear you say fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous, lastly say righteous, thank you, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Praise God. Prayer that avails much. One more time, let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word and your spirit that is here. And I pray, Lord God, you help me to articulate and to communicate the things that you gave me this afternoon for the church tonight. Lord, you are moving upon us to take our prayer to another level in this season. For it is prayer, Lord, that brings fire. And I pray that the fires and the passion, Lord, amen, to touch God and to touch the throne of God would be upon us, Lord. Not just to commune with you, Lord, but to see you do things in our lives, to see you advance the kingdom of God. And it happens, amen, just like Elijah, it can happen to us 
through our prayers. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Praise God. Amen. I feel like having church tonight. God gives us prayer, the act of it, the teaching of it, the practice of it, to strengthen our relationship with him. The people that you talk to the most are the people that you know the most. The people that you have communication with are the people that are likely the closest in your life. And that's how you get close to the Lord. It's talking to him. And then in turn, he talks to you. He can talk to you through his spirit. I have known of people that have heard the audible voice of God. Quite often, God talks to me not so much audibly into my ears, but audibly into the ears of my mind. I'll use this example. I've used it before. Say your name, not with your mouth, but the thoughts of your mind right now. Go ahead and say your name in your mind, okay? You didn't hear you say your name with your ears. You heard it with your mind's ear. All of us have a mind's eye. For instance, if I said milkshake right now, I don't have a milkshake up here, but you can see it in your mind's eye, right? Okay. God talks to us, yes, through mind's eye images, but also through our mind's ear. When you have thoughts come to you from nowhere and you know it's not you, it's God. That will happen to you in your prayer time. It will happen to you as you read the word of the Lord. Sometimes it's a warning. Sometimes it's a word of encouragement. Sometimes it's just as simple as I love you, which a lot of us could use right now from the Lord. Amen. Nothing like his love. Praise God. And you should have that type of communion with God where it's like on a day-to-day basis, a regular basis, you are feeling words from the Lord. You are feeling interaction with God. That's how you know your prayer time is going to a good place where you feel the presence of God. And if you're praying and you're not feeling the presence of God, chances are you just need to keep on pressing a little bit further. Maybe get up a little bit earlier. Maybe plan out some more things to talk to the Lord. And also what I've learned in my own experience, if you will learn your Bible, you will learn how to pray. Because yes, God fills us with the Spirit. He gives us the Holy Ghost. He gives us a language to pray to Him. But you can't just pray in tongues and that be your only prayer. God wants us to pray in a understanding, with the language of our understanding. And when you come to know your Bible and the depth of the Bible, you will begin to take on heavenly and spiritual language in English or whatever language you speak unto the Lord and God will talk back to you. That is communion prayer. Amen. And you got to have that. But communion prayer, it strengthens our relationship with him. It strengthens our love for him. It builds our faith. It builds our connection to God. It ultimately keeps us saved. But it's not that type of prayer, amen, that could see cancers healed in somebody's body. It is really not that type of prayer, amen, that can pray for somebody with a fever and watch that fever dry up just like that. Or somebody who has knee pain or back pain. You don't just say, oh, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for this day when praying for the sick. Although that's not a bad thing to do. The presence of God can move. And yes, and just worshiping the Lord, things can happen. But prayer that avails much is not relationship prayer, but rather it is prayer that speaks to a specific purpose. It is prayer, amen, 
that uses specific wording, specific thoughts, and specific feelings that goes after a certain thing that you want to see God do in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of a friend, or in the life of somebody in the church, or a disciple that you are making. Praise God. Prayer that avails. Let me hear you say avail. It's not a word we use a lot in English. It's a beautiful word. I like it, avail. Could be a nice baby girl name for somebody here in the future that's going to have a baby girl. Praise the Lord. You just tell that baby, I got your name from Brother Justin that one night, that cold night in 2022. Prayer that avail, avails, it is prayer that visibly benefits, advances, and is for the advantage of the kingdom of heaven. The book of Acts church knew how to avail much in prayer. When they got together and prayed, walking up to the temple, they would look down at people who could not walk, begging for money, and they would say to them, I don't have any money, but I do got something. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. That type of prayer was not the relationship connection prayer that you and I pray to God, but that was a prayer that needed to avail something great for the kingdom of heaven to see. And for all of the world and to behold a man who sat there at the gate begging for many years all of a sudden can now walk. That is advancing the kingdom of God through prayer that avails much. One of their great leaders, the apostle Peter, was put into prison. And the church didn't gather together and stare at the wall and just say, oh God, oh yes, oh God, hallelujah, hallelujah for hours and hours. Oh no. They got together and didn't just love on the Lord and want to experience the love of God. They got together and prayed specifically for Peter. God, he's got to get out of prison. Spare his life. It's not the appointed time for him to be, for him to go to be with you just yet. And it was that type of prayer that got their apostle out of the prison. Praise the Lord. They saw the dead raised. They saw the lame walk. They saw blinded eyes open. They saw deaf ears open because they learned how to pray prayer that availed much. The Lord wants our love. He wants our affection, but he also wants us to bring our needs to him. He wants us to believe in him, amen, to have miracles, signs, and wonders. One day he was teaching his people, you see this mountain over here? He said, I want you to have so much faith and so much confidence and so much belief that you could speak to this mountain and watch it be cast into the sea. You know, that's kind of unusual. I've seen a lot of things in my life and I've heard of a lot of amazing things that God has done. But to this day, I've never heard of anybody actually speaking to a mountain and seeing it cast into the sea. I was in Israel some time ago. And while we were out there in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, our guide said that not too far under us is literally a mountain under the sea. And what we think was is that one of the Herods wanted to build a port city here and he decided where it needed to be and he said they said there was a great mountain a mile from here and he needed enough dirt and land to build a port out into the sea for ships to come into. So he literally hired boys about seven years old, eight years old that they called tectons or carpenters to literally scoop up and in, and in carts bring the dirt from that mountain and throw it into the sea to build a seaport city. That's the only place I can think of that Jesus had any, is making any type of connection to his followers from that. What he is saying to his people is 
that there are men that can hire people to move mountains to build their kingdom. But you and I are not building a kingdom so much through physical labor, but we speak it through faith and spiritual labor. Praise the Lord. When there is something that stands in your way from getting to where you need to be in God, the Lord says, you don't need to climb it. You don't need to go around it. You might as well go ahead and speak to it and watch it be removed in Jesus name. We talked about it recently with finishing strong. We were in a battle trying to get the permit. Amen. For this children's wing expansion. There was a lot of issues that we were facing, impact fees, things like this, things like that. But you know what we did? We just prayed. Many of us, as we drove past it, would just stick our hands out the window and say, in Jesus' name. And the Lord helped us to get that permit. He helped us, amen, to get everything that we needed to get done, amen. And that thing is going to be built, amen, in the next few months. Can you say, praise the Lord? Amen. It's an exciting time. The book of James gives us three ingredients for availing prayer. To be effective, frequency, and righteousness. Effective simply means to pray a specified prayer made for intended results. Fervency is prayer that is having prayer or displaying a passionate intensity when you pray. And lastly, righteousness is to be morally right or justifiable, virtuous, the godly life that you live, repentant from sin and walking with God. James says, if you have these three things, that is how you avail much in prayer. To be effective, fervency, and righteousness. If you have those three things, you can pray just like Elijah and stop the rain in heaven. If you are effective, if you pray with a fervency, you pray with righteousness, you can be like Elijah who stretched himself over a boy who had died and pray fervently, pray effectively, pray righteously, and that's how you can see the dead raised. If you needed fire to come down from heaven like Elijah, if you can pray effectively, if you can pray fervently, if you can pray righteously, you can see fire come down from heaven. So James said, Elijah was nothing special. He was not an angel. He was not a spirit being, but he was a man, a human being with the same nature as all of us. And he prayed. That was his secret. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed effectively, fervently, and righteously. And that is how he was able to see the supernatural happen in his life. Praise God. He was not special. Elijah was not from a well-to-do family. He didn't have status. He didn't come from royalty. But he, as it were, was a country boy. A Tishbite from the region of Gilead. He didn't have prominence. He didn't have wealth. He was just a simple man. But one thing that he had that was greater than all the wealth of Israel, he knew how to pray and touch God. And that is how he was able to avail much for the kingdom of heaven in Israel. Praise God. Elijah looked at his land, his people that he loved and cared for, his own countrymen, a people that God had brought in 
out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt into the promised land. And he looked and his generation fell away to the worshiping of idols. And he sat and watched his people as they would no longer gather on the Sabbath to worship of the true living God, but instead they were taking beautiful trees and cutting down the limbs and carving those trees to look like the gods and the goddesses that the pagans worshiped in the nations round about them. This broke Elijah's heart. This God that he loved, this God that he served, this God that he knew that could do anything, including parting a sea, this God who could rain down bread from heaven, this God who could make water come out of a rock, this God who created all things to see God's people, the generation that was called to be a holy chosen people, worshiping trees that they carved, worshiping rocks that they carved. He saw families being destroyed with this type of worship. He saw the enemies coming into the land and taking and stealing the blessings of the living God. Elijah wondered, what can I do? What can I do? I'm sure he was tempted maybe for a little bit. I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to let the people have their own freedom and going to let them do what they want. After all, freedom, you know, is so special. But after days and weeks and months and years of seeing the idolatry, he said, I cannot just sit here and do nothing. I cannot be the only one with the revelation of the one true God. I've got to do something to get the people's attention. But he knew he was just one man. What can one man do to reach an entire nation? He would have been very familiar with the writings of Moses that would have been written before his time. And he would have been very familiar with Deuteronomy chapter number 11 when God said, Be careful that you do not be deceived by the wickedness of the nations round about you. For if you will go after their gods, I will cause the rain to cease. And I think that scripture connected with Elijah and he said, Aha, that is how we're going to get Israel back to serving the one true God. And he began to pray, Lord, God, I'm worried, I'm scared. Having no rain means no water. Having no water means no crops. Having no crops means no food. How am I going to survive? How's my family going to survive? How is Israel going to survive? And the revelation came to them. Trouble brings people back to God. Going without food. I tell you what, I, I used to be worried that we would have like a major revolt in America. About five, six, seven years ago, I was worried we were going to have a revolt in America. And I was at a fast food restaurant not far from here, and I got to looking at some of the Kansas City people around here lining up at that place with their 60-inch pants. And I said, <laughs> and I said, there is going to be no revolt. We are well-fed and happy around here in America. You read stories, you watch documentaries of civilizations that begin to hunger, people get crazy and they get desperate and they do things that they normally would not do. And that is why God said, if my people need to turn back to me, if their sin becomes too great, I will shut up the windows of heaven. And Elijah prayed that because he longed for the people to turn back to God because you know what would happen if they didn't turn back to God, Israel would cease to exist. It would be worse than having no rain. There would be war. There would be famine. There would be turmoil. And Elijah knew just a little season of trouble, 
several years of going without something that we take for granted would turn the hearts of the people back to God. And he got down and he prayed effectively for it. He prayed fervently for it. And he prayed righteously for it. And he walked into the court of the king and said something that a prophet had never said before. He said, at my word, it will not rain. Meaning the power in what I speak and what I say, it will not rain. And it happened, praise God. He was just a man like you and I, but he prayed effectively. He didn't just pray, Lord, whatever it takes, save Israel. He didn't just pray, oh Lord, I hope that Israel one day just kind of wakes up. I hope that old Jezebel back there, that somebody slaps her silly and she comes to her senses. Oh no. He didn't just pray a wishy-washy prayer, but it was effective. He called on the Lord and prayed the word of God, saying, Lord, your word said that you would shut up the windows of heaven to get Israel's attention. And that is what I'm calling upon you to do. It was that type of effective prayer, amen, that caused the clouds to cease, the rains to cease. And all of a sudden, earth got really, really dry. Elijah knew how to pray fervently. He was staying during those three and a half years with a widow lady and she loved her son and her son passed away. The Bible says that the prophet came up and stretched himself over that son three times and prayed and the child came back to life. That is fervent prayer to go after it, to travail for it. He wasn't an angel. He wasn't anybody special. He was a man just like you and I. But it just goes to show that if you will pray, as the Bible says, with fervency, with passion, not in a boring tone of voice, not in a repetitious tone of voice, but if you will get passionate and if you will cry and if you will sob and if sometimes if you have to pace the floor and if you have to lay upon whatever you're praying for, amen, if you will pray with that type of fervency, what is dead will come back to life in Jesus name. Praise God. He prayed righteously. He would not bow to Baal. He would not, amen, ever worship any of those idols for he knew who the true living God was. And it was with these three things that Elijah did to pray effectively, to pray fervently, to pray righteously. Jesus taught these things. Paul taught these things. Peter taught these things. John taught these things. James taught these things. And the church did it. And it's how they survived. It's how they made it. And it's how you and I are still serving the Lord. Amen. To this day, because people didn't just quit. People didn't just stop, but they prayed every day with effectiveness and fervency and righteousness. And that's how God did things into their life. I'm talking to somebody here tonight. You are frustrated in your prayer life. You've had it on your New Year's resolution for year after year after year, and you feel like your prayer has never really broken through. I know it's easy to pray at church. We've already done it. We've already touched God. We're going to touch God one more time before we leave. And you know, Pentecostal church services are powerful. And sometimes I think as Pentecostals, prayer time is just so powerful. We really don't want to pray all on our own because we can't have the same prayer all on our own that we can have here in church. 
me tell you this, God likes it loud. He likes the music fast. He likes us all together. But there is a part of God that likes one-on-one -on -one time with his people. He likes quiet time with his people. Church, you don't believe me? Look at the teachings of Jesus. He said he was with his disciples and he saw a Pharisee on the corner and the Pharisee with his long robe and, and all of the gaudy stuff and this like that. And he was praying long prayers. I mean, he'd been going for about three hours, just long prayers. And Jesus said to his disciples, you see that guy? He's an actor. He's a hypocrite. It's nothing but a mask. He said, I don't want you to pray like that because God doesn't listen to actors because they are just praying to be seen of men. He said, when you pray, it's not a show for everybody. It's not an act or a display to be seen and to entertain the people. But rather, he said, when you pray, go into your closet, hide away from everybody. That is the type of prayer that God sees and rewards openly. Could it be that the reason, the thing that you are longing for from God, you haven't gotten it yet because you haven't prayed privately about it? But instead, it's only publicly in worship service here. Now, God moves in this church. Don't get me wrong. I think sometimes, though, God is wanting us to take our needs to him in a private place where nobody can see to prove to God and to be true to God and to show him, Lord, I don't just pray when everybody's looking. I don't just pray when I've got a crowd around me. But when it's just you and me, that is enough for me. Amen. I need you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. This is what I need from you. That's the type of prayer that catches the attention of God. I remember back in the 90s, Bishop preaching to us. He said, we're going to have prayer time. He said, I don't want none of you just standing in the corner crying out, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. He said, I want you to learn to pray to God in complete sentences. I was about 10 or 11 years old when I realized that. And I thought, you know, most of my life, I've only had about four or five things that I've ever said to God. And for the first time in my life, I came forward and I began to pray in complete sentences unto the Lord. Can I tell you this? It took my prayer life to another level because I found out that God loves his people to articulate to him. And he loves his people, amen, to talk to him as if they were talking to a person. You want to know why? Because he now is in the glorified body of the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? He wants you to open up to him and talk to him about what is on your heart and what is on your spirit. And if you will come to him, amen, effectively, fervently, and righteously, amen, just like Elijah, amen, you can shake things, you can move things, you can see things happen. Some of you have got, hey man, a backslidden family member or a backslidden friend and you're wanting God to do something in their life. Amen. Could it be just like God used Elijah to stir up Israel? God may stir up you to pray just a little bit of trouble their way to get their attention back on the Lord. Can you say hallelujah? Amen. This stuff is real. Miracles like this just don't happen in the Bible, but they happen nowadays. And I believe the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, God is going to raise up, amen, people in the apostolic church, yes, to control the weather. And you know what? We need it. As you know, we've got some awesome conspiracy theorists in this church. Praise God. I follow them on social media and you do too. And we need to be listening to some of them. 
But there are ideas out there that there are nations in this world that are learning to control the weather with their own technologies. And it may come to the day, amen, where the church is going to have to stand up and war against that stuff and pray, amen, that the storms cease, that the weather gets in control, that the hot weather comes down, that the cold weather comes up, things like that. You think I'm making this stuff up. I am praying and seeing the future, amen. There is the spirit of calamity and chaos in the earth, and it's going to take the fervent, righteous, effective prayers of the church, amen, to keep this nation and this world going to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Amen. I feel like I just touched somebody right there with that. My dad has told this church this story years ago. It's a story that just captivated my attention as a young boy. Bishop said that back in the late 1960s in Minnesota, it had been 30 days of the temperature being below zero degrees. That's a cold day. It's a cold evening. We're going to have a cold next few days, yeah. But you think about this. 30 days, it's below zero. We don't know about that here in Kansas City. I'm getting cold just thinking about it. That is bone-chilling cold. And for people in Minnesota to be concerned about it, that is very cold. Brother Norris, Bishop's pastor at that time, called the church together for a prayer meeting. He said, we are gathering together, not for worship, not for preaching, but we are going to pray for one specific thing tonight. He said, I know there's a lot going on. There's a lot to pray for, but we're going to pray for one specific thing tonight. And that is God supernaturally gives us heat in this city. And the church began to pray. And I mean, everybody's shivering there in the church. Everybody's got their scars and their coats on and they're praying, God, warm up the city. God, break, Lord, this spell, Lord, of cold weather. Amen. Bring the temperature up for us, Lord. Amen. Some, some people were without power. There was horrible things happening. 30 days like this. And the church prayed and everybody went home. When the sun come up that day, pastor's a witness of this. And I'm sure other people that were in that church at that time, that temperature arose above 32 degrees supernaturally and never came back down that winter. No way that is a coincidence. No way that is an accident. But after 30 days of consistent, freezingly cold weather, the church gets together and pray. That was Almighty God who bowed down his ear to a church, amen, that was effective, that was fervent, that was righteous. And God answered their prayers, amen. And he raised up the temperature during that winter. Can you say amen? Praise God. Several months ago, a family in this church, the musicians would please come. Several months ago, a family in this church, not far from here, their house and other houses on their block were being robbed. There were thieves coming through every night, stealing cars and stealing their property. Can I tell you this, you and I, nobody is ever safe. Crime can happen anywhere. I don't care where you live. It can happen anywhere. And it's up to us to take proper precautions, proper security measures, do whatever you can. But sometimes you are put in a place where you don't know what to do. Our police are regulated right now. Things are happening. I don't think we're to the point where we need to take the law in our own hands, but that day may come, but not right now. And after hearing these things and going home and being even worried about my house and my property and my parents and other people and things like that, I just was worried to death. 
And something arose up in me and said, you know what? You serve the God of the universe. You serve a God who is called a man of war in the Bible. You serve a God that one day is going to come down on a white horse with a big old sword and destroy all of the enemies. Why don't you start talking to him? He's the police that you need right now. He's the security that you need right now. You know what I did? I got in my car and I went down to this family street and I prayed something I had never prayed before. It just hit me while I was driving up and down that block. I said, Lord, I call upon you to send angels of a fierce countenance, a fierce, fiery countenance to stand at the corners of this street. And if there be any thief, any robber, anybody that comes down on the street to cause trouble, I want them to see the face of those angels and to run scared for their life and never come anywhere near here ever again. I just, it was back in, back in the middle of October. I just started praying that little children were out praying in their front yard. People were walking up and down the street and I just felt almost so weird to be doing that. Who does that? But I'd heard something about prayer drives and prayer walks. It had been a while since I've done one of those. Can I tell you this? Just me and my car, me and God were having church in that car. It had been a while since I felt faith like that. I drove up and down the street praying that God send angels of a fierce countenance. The next day came by and I talked to that man in this church that lives on that street. And I said, were there any robberies? He said, nope. A few more days came by. I said, any more robberies? He said, nope. A week went by, no more robberies, two weeks, three weeks, a month went by after breaking, after breaking, night after night, consistently after I prayed right there, no more break-ins. And as far as I know, to this day here in January, there hasn't been another theft. There hasn't been another break-in, but amen. God answered the prayer. Amen. And he established angels there to guard, amen, that lot and that property. There's no way that was a coincidence, church. Can I tell you this? I tell you humbly, I went there with effectiveness in my mind for God. I went there and prayed fervently for that. I went in there and prayed righteously for that. And God answered my prayer. You don't have to be a prophet like Elijah to pray and avail much. You don't have to be a preacher. Oh, no. But to anybody who believes in this God, to anybody who believes in this word, to anybody who believes in the power of the spirit, you can move mountains. You want to know how you're doing something for God in prayer when you start moving things, when things start shutting down, when things that don't work all of a sudden start working, when things that seem like there can't happen, when things that seem like there is no way, when you start praying and all of a sudden it shifts, it changes and all of a sudden, amen, you start doing better on your job, amen, all of a sudden your family starts working better, amen, things in your life start getting put back together. Amen. You see your children all of a sudden praying on their own. Amen. You see your husband, amen, starting to read his Bible again. Amen. I've come to tell you, you can avail much through prayer. If you will just do it effectively, if you will just do it fervently, and if you will just do it righteously. I love books on prayer. 
I love amen to change things I'm praying, but can I tell you, these are just simple things. If you will clear the sin out of your life, if you won't just pray over and over, oh God, oh is me, oh me, woe is me, things like that, but if you will pray to God in complete sentences and you pray until something happens, I'm telling you with your own eyes and your lifetime and your generation, you will see the dead raised. You will see blinded eyes open. You will see, amen, deaf ears open, amen. You will see miracles of healing. You'll see devils cast out. You will see God work wonders in your own life, in your own prayer time. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to testify about it. And it's going to encourage somebody over here. And it's going to encourage somebody over here. And somebody watching online is going to get their miracle. Amen. Elijah was just a country boy from nowhere, but he believed in the word and prayed and shut up the windows of heaven. He saw the dead raised. He saw fire come down from heaven. Hallelujah. He saw Israel repent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He did it because he knew how to pray and avail much. If there's anybody in here tonight, amen, you want to see God do something through your own prayers, I invite you to stand with me tonight. Amen. And stretch out your hands towards heaven and say, God, I'm nobody from nowhere. It's just little old me, but you're big. You're somebody from somewhere and that's heaven. And I'm calling upon you tonight. Amen. Amen. To move upon me to become effective, to move upon me to become fervent, to move upon me to become righteous because this generation is dark. Things are not getting better. They're getting worse. And it's going to take somebody to pray, somebody to touch God, somebody to get a hold of the hem of the garment of God. Hallelujah. When's the last time you got stirred? Amen. To come to God. When's the last time? Amen. You felt a shaking inside of you to get a hold of the Lord, to not worry about the clock, to not worry about the calendar, to not worry about what anybody is thinking. Amen. But you made a move towards God. Amen. I'm calling upon the church, amen, to move in the dimension of faith. I want you right now to get out of your seat and come down to this altar and pray to the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Amen. For yourself, for your family. Amen. For your job to see something happen. Hallelujah. Come on. Who wants to see a miracle? Who wants it? Who wants it? Come on. You know you can't do it on your own. I want to have prayer that avails so much. That avails so much. That avails so much. Hallelujah. Learn to pray, church. Learn to pray. Oh, God, help us if we pray to a God. Oh, that we only worship a God we don't pray to. But we've got to pray to him. Hallelujah. Hmm. Hallelujah. Come on, some of you are worried about your neighborhoods. It's starting to feel unsafe. Amen. You can stop. Amen. The darkness with your prayers. Hallelujah. You're blocked. You're worried about it. You're worried about what's going on in the house across the street. Don't you know you can pray them out of that neighborhood? Come on, take authority over it. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil out talk you. Don't let devils out thank you. Don't let the wickedness of this world overcome you. Oh no, but you overcome them. Hallelujah, your righteousness is a force. Hallelujah, your holiness is a force. Your persistence is a force. Hallelujah, come on, somebody break through.